So we're talking about upgrade because when we come to God, we bring him our life the way it is. Isn't that so cool that we get to bring him our lives the way it is? We don't have to try to arrive at like some sort of entry point. That there's like some port of entry to be able to, to <clears throat> be able to get connected. That we have to finally make our way, make our way, make our way. And then once we're there, well then it's a whosoever, whosoever shows up in this fashion. No, it's wherever we are. He takes us right where we are. It is a beautiful concept. And honestly, it's a mind-blowing concept. It really, when you think about it. I mean, that he just takes us the way we are, all of us. Yeah, even that person. Your mind just went there. Even them. He takes them that way too. But the beautiful thing is, is when we say yes to him and we embrace that we need a savior, then he comes in and he begins to take it the way it is. And then through the work of the Holy Spirit begins to upgrade our life. He begins to shift things and to grow us. And it's his work, not our work. And that, folks, is what we're looking at. Because Jesus, if you've got your version notes, Jesus is a life giver. You got your bulletin open. He gives us eternal life as we trust him. And he brings new life into every area of our life. It is a complete life upgrade. And he comes in and begins to work. And last week when we kicked this off, we did a little survey. And uh, for those of y'all that are using the, the U version, uh, you, some of you may have participated in it. But our survey was asking, where is life tight? Because we're talking about upgrade. We're talking about margin. We're talking about feeling stressed to the bone. So let's see what our little, the, do we have that? There we go. We asked about where is life tight. We talked about finances. Who would have believed that that would have been the number one choice? Wow, who would have thought that finances would have been the number one? Surprising. Uh, I feel like the guy on Family Feud survey says. Um, spousal relationships. Oh, my goodness. Who would have thought that was number two? Money and relationships. Wow, but look, right here. You folks, you're going to... I didn't make these answers up. Y'all said this. Thank goodness that we had nobody who had the app open and willing to do this that was completely about to pull their hair out with their children. Okay, nobody took their kids home in a place of peril. So we're, we're glad about that. But I think all of us need a little bit of help there that are raising kids and whatnot. But thankfully, that's not a number one life stressor right now. Relationship with God. There's 11% of us that says, you know what, forget about the money, forget about everything else. Man, my, my front burner issue, I feel some tension in my life right here. And guess what? That's what we're about. <clears throat> and then life direction. That God's got a purpose. That God has a plan. What on earth am I doing? Why am I breathing oxygen? Why am I doing this? That was also, that was our number three thing. And then, of course, 11% said, you know what, just take all that, put it in one big pot, and that's me. And uh, that it's all of the above. I'm at my limits in every area. And honestly, our society, thank you guys, our society is, is there on some level. And that's not a healthy place for us to live with all of the above or one of the above or any of these different things. And that's what we're looking at is God wants to come into all these areas and begin to help us to mature and to see things from his perspective and to allow him to transform us. And our, our pivotal scripture that we're looking at is John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. If we feel like we're about to drive off the cliff, I think there's some stealing and killing and some destruction at work 
Haven't crossed the cliff yet, but man, some things are going ugly. The enemy's at work. But Jesus, this is him talking, says, I've come that you may have life and you may have it to the full. Not just have it, have a little chunk of it in your pocket. No, yeah, it's over there on the shelf. No, have it where it invades everything, where it's your whole life that you can have it to the full. And I tell you what, this, when we hear that, there's something that awakens in us. Because something in us says, yeah, that's, that's what I was made for. Jesus, you are playing my song right there. Life and life to the full. And we begin to awaken part of us. And that is a good thing. I had uh, Tom Kunselman share a little cute video this week on Facebook. And I was like, I've, just got, I've got to use that on Sunday. This is, you've probably already saw it. So just act like it's awesome. And uh, anyways, go ahead and roll it. It's a little baby fast asleep. And here's its jam. That baby was stone cold asleep. And then here's Gangnam Style and it's like hitting it. It comes alive. Thank you guys. And I tell you what, there are things that we're wired for. There are things that's like, yeah, that's us. All this other stuff can happen in life, and we can just kind of snooze through and like, yeah, I don't really want to participate in that. And then boom! I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And we're like, woo! Some inside of us should wake up like that. So you know what, God? That's that's somehow what I know I'm built for. Life seems to have frustrated me and things have not gone the way I kind of thought they would go. And I've had way more difficulties than I ever thought. And, but you know what? That rings true. And it does. It does because that's what he made us for. That's what he made us for. See, I love the way that John 10.10 reads in the message. In the, <clears throat> it says, I came that they can have real and eternal life. More and better life than they ever dreamed of. That little baby was sound asleep. And all of a sudden reality was better than dreamland. All of a sudden what was really happening was better than dreamland. That's what he wants for our lives. That our real life is better than some sort of fantasy, than getting lost in some sort of little device or some sort of imaginary world or some sort of other thing that, that the life that he has is actually living would be this thing that resonates and says, yeah, this is what I'm built for. These are the challenges I was wired to overcome. These are the problems I was put on this planet to face and to help others and to pour into people's lives. That's what I'm here for. And that's, and that's the case. But we have to be willing to embrace and understand that that's going to mean some change. That that's going to mean some change. I, I, for the first time ever, I read a chick book. I read I did. Don't give me a hard time. But there's a, a, a lady that writes for Proverbs 31 Ministries. Her name's Lisa Turkhurst. In fact, she's the lady that's doing our 12 Women of the Bible Study. And um, anyways, I had listened to this book called Unglued. And uh, it had, uh, was, she goes through and talks about some different things about how life hits you. And all of a sudden, you just come apart at the seams. And you act like somebody you don't, you're not really who you are. And anyways, it, it's, it's a fantastic book. It it's, keeps talking to hey ladies, hey women, and... I, I, all of a sudden, I wanted to go shopping, and yeah. I felt like my cuticles were a mess. It was, it did. I, I, I couldn't understand it. I, I realized I didn't match. It was horrible. 
But in the middle of all this estrogen fast in this book, it was, it was, there was just this great meat. It was just so good. And she talks about this thing of place of being willing to change and willing to shift. And you could be living this destroyed life and that there's an abundant life is available. And if you don't, if you don't open to it, you, you won't have it. And they, her and her family decided to take a vacation and go to the Dream Center. Some of you may not know about the Dream Center in L.A., but it's an old hospital that's been converted to a multi-story uh, ministry center in the middle of a very rough neighborhood, and they're really taking care of business and getting stuff done in that community and getting some incredible ministry taking pla- taking, uh, getting done. And um, so they go, but it's a rough place. So they, they live in the Dream Center while they're there, and they're there for like five or six days. And while they're there, they go to actual Skid Row, and there is this lady that... Lisa just connects with and she begins to talk to her and says, you know, she's a heroin addict and she says, you know, let, let's get you some help. And so the lady's like, okay. So they get her in the van and take her to the, the rehab and take her to these different places. And um, they uh, 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 get, her, um, get her set up. Like, okay, great. Things are going to be better for her. She's in a good place. She has a real bed. She's not on the street. She's going to get help. And they're in L.A., L.A., big, huge, millions of people, L.A. They end up a couple of days later in a different part of town. And here comes this same lady walking up the street asking different people, asking different people for money, need money to get a bus ticket so she can get back to, to, to where she needs to be. And, she, and Lisa sees her, and she's like, of all the people that I could run into in a totally different part of L.A., I run into this exact same lady, and her heart just breaks. And she goes to her and she calls her by name and she says, why? Why aren't you there? We, come on, you know, you, you can get help. You can get free from this. You can get off the streets. She said, you can, you know, I, we'll take you back. If you want to go back, we'll, we'll help you again. And the lady said, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I just want to get back. I just want to get back to there. She said, why? Why do you want to get back to there? And she said, well, I, I know where to lay my blanket there. I know where to lay my blanket. I know how to do life there. I know, I know the cycles. I know those things. And as destructive and as difficult and as painful as what it is, the pain of change was more to her than the pain of the destroyed, wrecked life that she was living. It's just... It's, it's just terrible. We have to be willing. We have to understand that there's a destroyed version of our story the enemy has his own story about you he wants to tell and it's a destroyed version and there's a version of your story that is full of life and life more abundantly and you have to decide which version are you going to pursue which version are you going to want written when your days are spent because there are two the word tells us that there's life and death blessing and cursing and we're the choosers of that We are the choosers of it. We have to be willing to do that. And in this, we're going to talk about the number two issue, and we're going to talk about relationships. Because see, trusting God to upgrade our relationships, it's going to mean these things, folks. It's going to mean more peace, and all of us want more peace. All of us want more peace in our relationships. It's going to mean more peace. This is a good thing. But it's also going to mean less passivity. Every upgrade means more and less. I just upgraded my phone. There are things it does now. 
and bugs and little glitches it doesn't do anymore. There's always more and less when there's an upgrade. He's going to have, there's going to be more of something and less of something. There's going to be more peace in our lives, but less passivity. See, Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers. Makers. That's something that's active. That's something that, that goes after it. For they will be called the sons of God. They will be called the sons of God. Those that go after and make peace. And sometimes we have to look at the mess of a situation and be willing to step in and, go and be on the side of peace. There's a story of St. <clears throat> Telemachus who was, uh, um, had, had, had lived long ways from Rome and just felt impressed by the Holy Spirit. This is in the year 400, 401. And felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to, to go to Rome. So... He goes to Rome. And as he's coming into Rome, there's a big hubbub and there's a lot of stuff going on. And he begins to ask people, what's, what's all the commotion about? And they said, well, the, the fights are today. The gladiators are going to go at it at the Colosseum. So he makes his way with the rest of the crowd and sees what's happening with 80,000 people packing the Colosseum. And he sees what's happening in the middle of this. And these two men are being cheered to butcher each other. For fun. For sport. And Telemachus can't stand it. He can't stand it. And he jumps over the edge and makes his way into the middle of the arena and, and, and begins to plead with the gladiators. And he says, cease in the name of Christ. Cease. Just chill. And the crowd begins to say, run him through, run him through, run him through. So one of the gladiators, with honestly a little bit of mercy, takes the hilt of his sword and pops him in the stomach, doubles him over, knocks him to the ground. Telemachus gets back up and he begins to say, cease in the name of Christ, cease in the name of Christ. And the crowds begin to cheer all the more for them to run him through, run him through. And the other gladiator pulls his sword and stabs him in the stomach, runs him through. And Telemachus falls to the ground and he's bleeding there in the middle of that sand. And he cries out with his dying voice, cease in the name of Christ. And Emperor Honorus was there and witnessed it. Had, been a, uh, had converted to Christianity and was still groping with what that meant for him as a ruler. And he was so moved by what Telemachus did that that was the last gladiatorial battle ever held. January the 1st, year 401. The last gladiatorial battle. He, he, he made them off, he made them illegal. He banned them. That sometimes peace and pursuing peace, it's not passive. It gets in the middle of the whirlwind and begins to be a champion of peace. And in our relationships, most of the time, we don't like the whirlwind. I don't. I'm not a guy that, 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 lo that you know, lives on relational tension. I don't like it. I don't like the hard conversations. That's the most difficult place for me as a leader. I hate it. But I know that those things are necessary sometimes because they can be so life-giving. See, being a peacemaker means being willing to act on the side of peace. It's active. Active is the opposite of passive. 
It's just the way things go. Because the nature is, is things move from a place of order to chaos. They just do. And as this chaos comes in our relationship, somebody has to be willing to step in and create this place of peace. Somebody has to be willing to come in and to do that. I saw this demonstrated by my, by my daughter Brooklyn back when she was five years old. Now they say that one of the big relational stressors on, on, on relationships um, is like remodeling. Well, Cutie and I have remodeled a lot. We've had those conversations. And so one day, Brooklyn's about five years old, and uh, uh, we are at Lowe's, and we're doing all of our stuff. We're making our decisions. We're in the middle of things. We've spent all day doing remodeling stuff. And as the day got, went, well, there was more and more and more tension. So finally, it comes dinner time, and Cutie and I are just really not getting along with each other. And it's just this, this, this friction. So and as we sit down to eat, there's still this friction going on. Then my five-year-old Brooklyn uh, begins to go around the table and say, so, uh, so what are you thankful for? <laughs> and as each person began to talk about, including me, including Cutie, began to talk about what we were thankful for, all of a sudden the whole atmosphere at that moment began to shift. It began to shift. And I journaled about it and wrote it down forever so I'd never forget that moment where a five-year-old comes in and helps a couple of people who are supposed to have level heads remember what life is really all about. It's just what has to be. See, Romans 12, 18 says, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Live at peace with everyone. Now notice this verse. It says, at. At is a destination. At is this thing where we're, we're pers- where we're going, where we're, we want to get to. In fact, uh, 1 Peter 3.11 says, He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. He's got to go after it. You're not there yet. When you're pursuing peace, you're not there. You go and go until you arrive there. You want to get to that place. When it's this uh, scripture right above it in Romans, it's talking about if at all possible, when things get outside of peace, as far as it depends on you, you can't control the other situation. You can't control the other. But it's amazing. It's amazing how when one person digs their heels in on the side of peace, you can use all that obstinate, you can use all that will, you can use all that stuff for good, and dig your heels in on the side of peace. And look, I'm, we're just going to be at peace. We're going to find a way. We're going to work through this. I love you and we're not quitting until this is worked through. You have to pursue it and to get there. And so once you're there in peace, you have to appreciate it and know that it's not, a, it, it's not the default place. You have to actively plant seeds of peace during times of peace. So many times we can sit there and, and, and pursue something and we get there like, oh, oh my goodness, that was, that was so hard. And we're finally here and now I can chill. And now I can rest. But during the times of peace, we got to keep sowing seeds of peace. We got to keep pouring things in there that keep growing peace. Here in West Texas, we, we have a lot of ryegrass. And guess what? It's an annual. It has this little life cycle. It grows up, and the little ryegrass that's growing right now or is about to sprout, 
It's not the same plant that frustrated you last year. It's a brand new plant. But guess what? The seeds of that were planted during that last season. That ryegrass is still there because there were seeds of ryegrass planted during a time of ryegrass. That's the way everything that perpetuates and stays around works. And if we're going to get peace and have it perpetually be a part of our lives, if we want to have households of peace and lives of peace, then we keep doing things that lend towards peace even when things are at peace. Sometimes we think, okay, now we can let our hair down, and now we can do these things. And, and you know it with your, friend, your, your spouse or your people in your life when things have been tense, and you think things are kind of okay, and so you go ahead and joke a little bit, and then they look at you. Woo! Too early, too early, too early. Sorry, babe, I, I thought we were good. We ain't that good yet. We're still going to good. You know we do it. We know that there are times of peace and there are times that there's like, I think we're there, but I'm not sure. And then we get into that place where we relax and now we kind of take our barbs and throw and mess and relax and create a new whirlwind and then we got to pursue peace all over again. Let's just sow seeds of peace. See, uh, James 3.18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Hebrews 12.14 says, Make every effort... To, this sounds so much like the Romans passage, but we have this little different preposition. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. To live in peace. Once you make every effort to get to peace, now make every effort to stay there. It's, so guess what? We're, wor- we're working on peace all the time. We're conscious about it. We're sowing seeds of it. We're, we're continuing to, 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 to want to see that to grow all the time. And this makes sense. You know, if you, got, you deal with an assembly line or anything, if you want to keep seeing end product come out on this end, you've got to keep putting raw materials on this end. You quit putting raw materials on this end, and at some point, finished product quits coming out. That's just the way it works. You and I and our relationships are the same way. We have to simply keep pursuing it. We have to embrace, we understand that that's something that God has called us to. And uh, Jude, uh, wait, let me see, uh, Second Peter 1, 2, says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. That's a lot. Abundance, when God uses the word abundance, the one that made everything, the one that takes the heavens so far weak, our best stuff can't see the edges, that honestly it's still expanding and what was abundant yesterday is now redefined by what is abundant today. Our universe just keeps, the abundance of our universe keeps getting more and more abundant. I mean, it's just we have this God who keeps redefining it. Our abundance of grace, our abundance of peace. <clears throat> Jude pulls this up again. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. So now we're going to look at some different ways that we can do this. We can be peacemakers. And one of them is, is making peace through active prayer. I tell you what, I have seen peace come into my life through this avenue, especially relationally. I tell you what, as much as any other specific thing, 
I am amazed that if there's some tension between me and my wife or me and somebody else, that when I genuinely go to a place of prayer, that maybe I sit there and like, Lord, and I do like Adam, the woman you gave me. This was your, this was your idea, God. I know you've got a plan. Woo! Let's just, woo! Let's sow some seeds of peace. I love you, Derek. Ain't anybody more beautiful than you. But when I come, come to this place, that I, I'm, I may be frustrated, and I go to God in this place of prayer, and I hate to admit it, and don't tell her of how many times God tells me where I'm wrong. And that I'm the one that needs to, I'm like, God, you really need to get a hold of your daughter. She's your kid. Fix her. He's like, son, it's you. There's no way. But there is. And it begins to do that. And then, and it's also amazing that the couple of times I've actually been right, that, that it is amazing how uh, pursuing it through prayer, that the Holy Spirit begins to be the advocate and begins to talk to her. And all of a sudden things begin to work out. And when we have that conversation that I was not looking forward to, the oil of the Holy Spirit has already made things more movable and pliable and things just begin to work. It is amazing. Matthew 5 talks to us about loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute you. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. Oh my goodness, here's another place. There's obviously not peace if they're persecuting you. If we do the right thing, we're sons. Peacemakers, we show that we're God's kids. When people persecute us and treat us like junk, and we pray for them and we do this, we show that we're God's kids. Wow, this is something he's not letting up on. We, we've got to get this done. We've got to operate this way. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is both powerful and effective. And we're righteous not based on our actions. They're based on what Jesus did and that alone. Our prayers make a difference. They make a difference. Honestly, I think that we pray so little because we don't, we're not really convinced it's going to make a difference. It makes a difference, folks. It's powerful and effective. And so that transitions. We have to be willing. We talked about being willing to be active. We've got to be willing to have the tough conversation. We have to, have to be willing to do that. We already covered that. We have to be willing to pray. And then also, what I just discussed in my times of prayer with God, um, peace comes through an active willingness to change. You have heard the old uh, expression, you know, that, uh, man, that just really rubs the cat the wrong way. Turn the cat around. All is cool. Sometimes, sometimes the thing, it's, it's, it's rubbing you the wrong way because you're looking at it the wrong way. You need an adjustment. I know it's rare. I know it's rare. We've got a bunch of great folks in here. I know it's rare. But at least be willing to think that just maybe this may be the issue. See, there's a difference between willing to look different and lose weight and do all those different kinds of things. And there's a difference between being active 
about that. We have to be actively willing to change. That we're willing to make a fresh new kinds of decisions and new kinds of things. We have to be willing to do that. Again, we're going back to Matthew 5. It says, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Well, you don't hear just a whole lot of preachers saying that one. If things aren't right with you, don't give. Get all that fixed first and then give. We don't hear that one a whole lot. But it's important. The giving's there. It's like, park that. You wrote that check or you did all that, just park it. Go and get things fixed. Then come and go, all right, let's do this. Our relationships are that important. They're that important. Our society says they're disposable. There's 7 billion people on the face of the planet. You can get along with somebody else. But God says, no, they're all valuable to me. I want you to love every single one of them. So you can't throw any of them away. That's what we're called to. So first go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gifts. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way or he may hand you over to the judge and the judge may hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. This may end up in a long time lockup and separation in this area. So while you're in route, while you're dealing with this, settle with them quickly while you're on the way. If there is some fault that lies on you, deal with it. Well, they're 90% wrong. Well, you're 10% wrong. Repent 100% for your 10%. Deal with it. Deal with it. And I'll tell you what's amazing, how that begins to, to open things up. Be the first one to say, I'm sorry. You'll be a peacemaker. Be the first one. When there's legitimately something wrong, do it. Be willing. Our relationships are that important. They really are. God wants our relationships to go to the next level. He wants us to have a full life upgrade. And my goodness, this is so, so, so part of it. This is so part of it. I tell you what, you can talk to the wealthiest people on the face of the planet. And if their relationships aren't healthy, they are miserable. And I tell you what, you can go to some of the most impoverished areas of the world, and if their relationships are good, there's happy and joy, and happiness and joy and peace in those homes. It's about healthy relationships. It just so is. You can't have a full life without healthy relationships. It just doesn't happen. And for us to do this, you're going to have to understand this means knowing that he cares and trusting that his ways are better. We dig our heels in because we think our ways are better. We think, if I, if I don't do this, I'm going to be taken advantage of. And I'm going to, no, we have to trust God. This is, the, this is the right way. And yes, being vulnerable can be scary. And yes, doing these different things can step out and be unnerving. But he's right, and it leads to peace, and it's so worth it. It's so worth it. See, God himself is the ultimate peacemaker. There is enmity between us and God. And the Bible says, while we were still enemies... While we were still sinners, while we were still just didn't give a rip. That God sent Jesus to come in and deal with that core issue. To make peace with us. He's the ultimate peacemaker. He's the ultimate active peacemaker. He sent his son to deal with it. And he brought peace to us. 
he did through his son. This morning, if you're not in that spot, that's where this all begins. The whole life upgrade begins right there. I saying, you know what? I've got issues. I have sin that needs to be dealt with. My mistakes demand a death and hell forever. And I understand that Jesus did a death that he didn't know. And I'm going to say that was for me. And it's legit. He did it. It's paid. And then now in this new life, you're going to let him come and turn you inside out and transform you and give you this life upgrade. I appreciate it if everybody kind of bow your heads and we're going to create a moment. That if that's you, if you're going to grab a hold of that this morning, I want you to just raise your hand. We're going to pray and we're going to step into this.